nations. The Israelites in Zechariah's day were living out this question. The exiles who had returned home had hoped for the glorious glorious restoration of the nation. But as they worked to rebuild Jerusalem and the temple, they encountered huge obstacles, including failing crops, financial struggles, opposition from enemies, infighting, and low morale. As a result, their optimism descended into pessimism and apathy. In the first six chapters of the book that bears his name, Zechariah is calling the people to return to God and remember his promises while giving them prophetic assurance that it will happen just as God said. In chapter 7, he calls on the people to obey their covenant obligations as the people of God and follows up on that in chapter 8 with 10 promises of blessing to encourage them. We find ourselves in a time very similar to the Israelites in Zechariah's day, a time that theologians describe as the now but not yet. God's kingdom has come and is still to come. Jesus is building his temple, the church, a process that is charged with hope and at times disappointment. God is doing wonderful things, yet there is often struggle and failure in the Christian life that can lead to despondency and apathy. Like the people Zechariah was writing to, we should remind each other of God's certain promises, how he has kept us in the past and will keep us even now, despite the challenges that come our way. Having set the stage with much credit to Al Mohler for his insights, let's look at one of these promises from Zechariah and let God's word encourage us this evening. Zechariah 8, verses 7 and 8. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them to dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, in faithfulness and in righteousness. As we get into these verses, we'll first look at the promise and then notice three things about it. So first, the promise. In these verses, we see God's promise to save his people, to gather them in from wherever they had been driven, and to be with them as their God. It has always been God's plan to have a people of his own that worship him for who he is and reflect his image. We see this developed through the, throughout the scripture, from God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden, as people begin to call upon the name of the Lord in Seth's time, to God's calling of Abraham to be the father of nations, through the redemption of the Jews from Egypt, to the flourishing kingdom of David, to the remnant of his people brought back from exile in Assyria and Babylon, to the grafting in of the Gentiles into the true people of God, to the new Jerusalem we read about in Revelation 21. In our verses, God is telling the people, I will save you and bring you back to dwell in the holy city. You will be set apart as my people. I will be your God. This covenant between God and his people is founded in God's faithfulness. And you see this throughout the scriptures. And I'm just going to read a few of them. Exodus 6-7. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Jeremiah 31-33. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. 
I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 2 Corinthians 16, 6, 16 through 18, where Paul is quoting a combination of scriptures and applying them to the church. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And then Revelation 21, verses 2 through 4. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned before her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. He will be faithful to his people and make them faithful to him. He is righteous, and his people will be a righteous people, abounding in the fruit of righteousness. In his mercy, God has promised that he will never leave or forsake his people, and they will be preserved in their righteousness as they serve him. Brothers and sisters, as you are prone to doubt, when you're prone to doubt, Remember God's promises. Rehearse them. Tell yourself, God will save his people. God will gather them in. God will provide a home and a shelter. He will be our God. We will be his people. Remember and sing, it is well, it is well with my soul. This brings us to the first thing to notice about the promise. It's personal. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Lord, the personal covenant name of God. The I am who I am. The I will be who I will be. Me, the one with no beginning or end. The one who is absolute reality. Utterly independent, consistent, unchanging. The same God that liberated his people from slavery the God that conquered enemies and brought his people into the promised land, the same God that was worshipped in the temple at the height of Solomon's reign. By using this name, Zechariah is calling them to remember him and all he has done. Likewise, we need to be constantly called to remember as well. In 2 Timothy, Paul explicitly tells us to remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. Also notice the personal pronouns used. I will save. I will bring. They shall be my people. I will be their God. God is doing all the work here. Similar to Titus 3.5, which reads, He saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Praise God that he works for us in a personal manner. We need him to save us from our wandering. We need him to do it, because if we could have, we would have saved ourselves. Next, we see that the promise is corporate. God is saving people, bringing them in, making them his people, being their God. The Christian life isn't a solo performance. Christ is building his church. Christ died to gather into one the children of God, scattered abroad, John eleven fifty two. 52. 
and his people will experience the fullness of this when he comes with a loud trumpet call to gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other, Matthew 24, 31. We have a great hope to look forward to, but in the now, but not yet experience of things we find ourselves, we are privileged to live in visible fellowship with other Christians. Not all Christians receive this privilege. The imprisoned, the sick, the one lonely Christian in a city full of Hindus or Muslims, they are strengthened and fortified by God's word, but they long for the blessing of physical gathering like the one we are in right now. This should bring us to praise God. In the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, therefore, let him who has the privilege of living in a common Christian life with other Christians praise God's grace from the bottom of his heart. Let him thank God on his knees and declare, it is grace, nothing but grace, that we are allowed to live in community with other Christian brethren. Church, enjoy this common Christian life we have together. Comfort and encourage your brothers and sisters with a visit. Pray with them. Write them a note. Give them a call. Take them out for coffee. Gather here with us regularly so we can receive mutual encouragement from one another and give God's praise, give God praise for the blessing of doing so. Finally, the promise is again personal. It's personal to us. God doesn't save his people in mass, but one by one, giving us new hearts, breathing life into our dead bones, taking away our sins, connecting us to the true vine, Jesus Christ. When it comes to judgment and salvation, he deals with us as individuals. It's our sin that makes us the rightful recipient of his wrath. It's the faith, the faith in Christ given to individual believers that saves. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Come to him. Be among those he has saved and called his people. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart, Hebrews 4. We need to tread carefully there. The tendency of our culture is to make all religion purely a matter of our own experience and feeling. To think of Christianity as just a thing that happens between us and God, with a bunch of other people simultaneously having their own little thing with God, goes against what we see in the scripture. Our faith is indeed personal, but it's never private. We live in community with other Christians. When we are connected to the vine, we are also instantly connected to all the other branches on the vine as well. We need each other, as weak as we may be. Quoting Bonhoeffer again, the Christian needs another Christian who speaks God's word to him. He needs him again and again when he becomes uncertain and discouraged. For by himself, he cannot help himself without giving a false impression of the truth. He needs his brother man as a bearer and proclaimer of the divine word of salvation. His own heart is uncertain. His brother's is sure. Church family, be encouraged by the promise of God to gather his people, the promise to make us brethren in the Lord, as Paul calls the Philippians, in and through Jesus Christ. We are being built as a church by Christ 
and we have community based on what he has done for all of us. The one at work is he who can do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you that you are the God who saves and brings your people in from the east and the west and gives us the hope of an eternal home. Remind us daily of your faithfulness and your righteousness. Continue to sanctify us. Cause us to reflect your character in all that we do. In Christ's name, amen.